Mike. Lauren. Mike, did you find it a challenge at all to pay attention to CES this week with everything else going on? No, I really just put my blinders on and uh, had this intense focus all week. All right, well, maybe I'm projecting a little bit, but I'm guessing that other people were paying attention to much more important news. So if you want to catch up quickly on what's going on in consumer tech land, we've got you covered on the Gadget Lab. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Gadget Lab. I'm Lauren Good. I'm a senior writer at Wired, and I'm joined remotely by my co-host, Wired senior editor, Michael Kulori. Hello, hello. We usually celebrate your birthday during CES, but we couldn't do it this year in person for obvious reasons. So happy birthday, Snack Fight. Thank you very much. I still ate a lot of Thai food on my birthday, just like I would have if we were in Las Vegas. Well, that's, I guess, a nice consolation prize. All right, we're also joined by Wired Digital Director, Brian Barrett. Hey, Brian, thanks for joining us. Hi, thank you guys for having me. And I ate a lot of cake this week, unrelated to anything. (laughs) You should probably just say it was for Mike's birthday. We can say that. All right. So if you missed it, I can't say I blame you. We're still finding our way through a devastating global pandemic. And here in the US, we're reeling from a violent attack on the Capitol in DC, and now a second impeachment of Donald Trump. But CES was this week, the giant consumer electronics show. Normally, we would be huddled around a microphone in a hotel room in Las Vegas right about now. But of course, the situation is different this year. CES went virtual for the first time ever. So we spent the past week sifting through online briefings and showcases to find you the best of CES. And we're here to give you a recap. In the second half of the show today, we're going to talk about some of our personal favorites from CES, the oddities, the novelties, the stuff we thought was cool or useful, or again, just plain weird. But we thought it might be helpful to first lay out the broader trends we saw this week, because those are the things that are going to set the tone for what tech looks like in 2021. Brian, as our digital director, you were juggling a lot of things this week, but what stood out to you most during CES? You know, I, I'm going to take a little bit of a different approach to this. It might be a little bit of a cop-out, but hopefully not too bad. I, I thought I was interested about what we didn't see. I think first there wasn't like one really big breakout product at CES this year. Not that there always is, but, um, you know, I think that's also just a function of the, the remoteness of it all and, and all being online. But I thought, too, you didn't hear a lot of the buzzwords that you normally do. There was not that stress of, uh, it's it's the phone, but it's got 5G, or it's this trash can, but it's got AI. Uh, we dropped a lot of that buzzwordy stuff for the better, I think. Uh, you know, and, I, and I'm, I'm not sure if that's just a function of, again, you know, just not as many people participating this year, um, or, or, or what it was, or those things seeming less important, or, or just being more mainstream now. Um, I think in terms of things that I did see, I thought there was some interesting COVID-related um, tech specifically around, I think there are three or four different kinds of, at least, uh, face masks that were, you know, smart face masks, which I don't know if I want that much technology like on my mouth at any given time, but it's there, <laughs> it's coming. Um, you know, there's some hand wave faucets from, from Kohler and other, where you sort of wave your hand and, and the water comes out. So little practical solutions to real world problems, which is the kind of stuff that's less glamorous to CES, but is always kind of fun to see. Um, yeah. And then I think what I want to know is what you guys think about uh, 
my favorite thing at CS, which was the rolling screens, which were suddenly everywhere. And I, I, I'm curious, Mike, if you think those are here to stay uh, or to exist. Um, like, are we going to be owning those at some point in the next year, two years, three years? I do think so. And, you know, it's important to note that what we see at CES is sort of like magical thinking stuff. It's often, you know, what a manufacturer uh, wants to show you because they want to give you a demonstration of how they're thinking about the future. So the device you see at CES is rarely the device that ships. But what we saw this year uh, along those lines are two phones, one that was teased very briefly by LG. Uh, it's a smartphone with a rolling screen. And by rolling screen, I mean, like, if you can imagine um, you tug on the screen to make it larger, sort of like pulling a roll of saran wrap out of its box, and then it springs back. So the screen can be made larger by tugging it uh, horizontally or vertically. Um, and in most cases, that's the, the design that we see. So we saw two. Uh, one that LG teased briefly. Uh, in a video as part of their press conference, and one that um, the television and mobile device manufacturer TCL uh, showed off uh, a little bit more in, in a little bit more of a refined presentation. So we got to see a lot more of that device. Now, these are probably here to stay. Like we talk about flexible screens, we talk about folding devices, but when you fold a phone, you end up with something that's pretty thick, right? Because you have two screens that are facing each other, stacked on top of each other, and it's pretty thick. With a rolling screen, you can make that magic, you know, small screen, big screen, small screen, big screen. You can make that happen, but you can do it in a way where the device itself stays pretty small because the screen just sort of retracts. So to answer your question, yes, I do, I do think we'll see that. I wonder what that means for the software that's going to run on these devices, because I think with the dual screen mode, right, or folding devices that have some kind of hinge, even if that hinge is relatively invisible, it seems like there's still a delineation, right, that exists in the UI. So if you're like running two apps side by side, or you unfold a device so that the app you're using expands, probably like pretty clear code lines for how that app is supposed to work. Like, what does that actually look, what does the software actually look like on a device that's rolling? Or maybe I'm overthinking this. I think you're not, though, because, and especially, I mean, Android specifically supports folding phones, right? They have they have uh, documentation for developers to follow. I, I don't know that they're there with rolling yet. I think you're kind of out on your own in the wilderness with that. And yeah, getting, getting people to uh, embrace those form factors is going to be, and by people, I mean developers, uh, and just people is going <laughs> to be people. a little bit of a little bit and, and people uh, is going to be a little bit of a nightmare. I do like that you can feel like you're like a medieval messenger, like unfurling <laughs> a message from a faraway kingdom. Yeah, that's what that that is the only reason I would buy one. Except instead of showing honest. up on a horse with a flag, you show up on a on a e scooter with a vape. Yeah, like a little Segway uh, seated scooter. Going, going 12 in a residential zone. Yeah, yeah, I look forward to the Samsung August event this year. Instead of it being the Samsung Note, it's just going to be the Samsung Scroll. And we're all just going to unfurl our devices into the world. Uh, yep. um, Brian, I have to say, <laughs> there was one press conference 
where I heard not only multiple buzzwords, but such a strange combination of buzzwords that it made my head hurt. So I'm glad that you, you didn't hear as many as I did. It was the TCL press conference on Monday morning, and they, I said I looked at this sentence for 30 seconds too long. They they put together AI and IoT. So it was like A-I-X-I-O-T, uh, which means artificial intelligence crossed with or fused with the internet of things but it was just like so it was awful anyway um please n don't make that a thing people don't make <laughs> ai x i o t a thing yeah that's too much that's it's too just, much it's just it's too much um anything else that you think is worth noting about this year's show I would just like to note that normally CES is as much of a car show as it is like a gadget show. Um, even though, you know, cars are gadgets, usually we get a big announcement from every single one of the, the big automakers. And this year we didn't have that. Uh, they were sort of conspicuously absent. We did see some fun, you know, self-driving concept vans. Uh, there was one from GM and Cadillac that looked really cool. There was a solar powered minivan from a company called Sono Motors. Um, which I always get confused with Sonos Motors. It's like, you know, they started making cars now since when? <laughs> um, but, you know, mostly the the auto announcements were very small. They were like software updates. Uh, they were in-dash things. Uh, Jeep Cherokee showed off something that I thought was pretty cool. A sound system designed by Macintosh, the, uh, the high-end audio company. Um, the in-dash display for the sound system actually has moving VU meters, like your dad's old stereo from the 70s, which was just so badass. But aside from that, you know, most of the news that we see around transportation usually comes at CES, and there just was not a lot of it this year. Right. I will point out, I think, uh, two trends I thought were interesting this year. And really, they were extensions of the trends that we saw emerge in 2020 due to the pandemic. Um, I think, you know, our working from home and trying to teach our kids at home led to greater demand for laptops and better laptops. And certainly I think that was a trend during this week at CES because we saw experimentation in chipsets and, and things happening in laptops that are either going to make them better for gaming or give them better battery life or make them always connected, you know, with LTE uh, modems in them. So I think that's pretty exciting, even though it's, as I like to say, it's the stuff in laptop so it's not the tech you can necessarily see um and then our excellent podcast producer boone ashworth he's really an everyman folks he does it all he wrote a great story about quote-unquote clean tech right our obsession with hygiene this year we've always talked about the ces flu before but that has new meaning now in in the time of coronavirus and so boone did a great roundup of the different ways that tech companies are are trying to like pitch sanitizing products whether it's um UV light or UVC light or antimicrobial materials and that sort of thing. And then, of course, connected fitness. Uh, connected fitness exploded in 2020. People are finding different creative ways to work out at home. Our colleague Adrian So did note that not many hardware makers were at CES this week. Um, Garmin and Fitbit and just companies like that, Withings, who we normally talk to, all declined to participate in the virtual event, but I think we're going to see some interesting stuff happening on the software side of Connected Fitness this year. Yeah, especially since um, Google just closed its purchase of uh, Fitbit. That's right. That's been a really long time in the making. I think <laughs> that was first announced, what was at the end of 2019, that that deal was announced and then it went through some pretty tough scrutiny, both in the EU and in the US. And so... Um, 
One yeah. might even say they had to go through 10,000 steps to get there. Wow. Bum. Wow. That, I like that. That was pretty good, Mike. Uh, good. And you've also got a- Apple Apple Health uh, or Apple's fitness um, program just sort of launched in earnest too, right? So you've got the, the big guys moving in while the little guys are trying to either maintain their position or establish one. Um, right. Yeah, and Samsung gonna, Samsung announced something this week similar to that as well. That's going to be – and Bowflex is getting in with like an elliptical kind of machine that you can do. It's It's going to be – I'm surprised there are that many instructors who are good on live streams uh, that can sort of fit this many uh, companies that have offered these sort of like live class experiences. I, I feel like I don't know. <laughs> I, I feel like it's hard. It's hard to be a. It's it's feel like a hard thing to do. I'm, but but everyone keeps finding more more bike instructors who can do the job. I guess. Brian, all I have to say to you is, drop your shoulders, drop your baggage. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you. You're welcome. On that note, we're going to take a break and then come back with some of our personal CES favorites. All right. Welcome back. We've talked a lot about the big overarching trends and some specific products we saw at CES this week, but people love to hear about the weird stuff at CES. Sometimes there are gadgets we just we think are pretty neat or too strange not to mention. All right, Brian, tell us about that X-Men thing. Oh, guys, this was, I was so excited about this. So if, if you're of a certain age and you spent a certain amount of time in shopping malls in America, uh, the arcade game to play was this X-Men four-player side-scrolling game. You could choose from among six characters. Uh, and it is uh, a plot line ripped from the comic books. Uh, it's terrific. And uh, I found memory of this, a company called Arcade One Up, um, who, which makes uh, these video game cabinets of old arcade games that are sort of miniature, so you can have them in your home, uh, has, and they've got a, a bunch of them out already, but they announced this yes that they were making this X-Men game. Um, I'm so excited about it, y'all. I, I really am. <laughs> Uh, it, it's a big moment. I don't know that I'll get it, but I just knowing that it's out there in the world and that other people will experience this and enjoy it uh, means a lot to me. So that's that's a a genuine thing I genuinely enjoy. But I do want to note some other CES things that I ironically enjoy. Uh, a company has come out with a Keurig-like ice cream maker, and the pods that you put in are like about the size of a Red Bull can, and you stick it in, and ice cream comes out. And the whole thing weighs 50 pounds and is huge on your counter. And that's it. God bless them for, for, for trying. Um, and then the other thing that I enjoyed was a $500 headband that vibrates to get your something or other aligned with your something or other. Uh, and, and which I think is, it's not the technical term, but it's close. And just make you have those good vibes. And you know what? I, this is the kind of stuff that I genuinely love about CES more than anything else um, because I don't and, and like it's it's funny but it's also these are people who had ideas and who made them a reality and I, I like that like I genuinely respect that and appreciate it and like I, I hope it works out but but just the stuff that you never would have thought of on your own for better or worse coming to life is what makes CES uh, so much fun and so 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 rich um, the, uh... I think <laughs> The ice cream thing reminds me of a product I saw 
And I don't know, I honestly don't know if it was 2020 or 2019, because after 10 years, all of the CESs start to run together in your mind. But there was a beauty product concept where you would take a pod and you would put it into this, you know, beauty machine. And then it would know what your skin type was, right? If you had combination skin or dry skin or aging skin or whatever it was, and that it would it would put together some moisturizing stuff in the beauty machine and then you would put your hand under the spout and the lotion would come out into your hand. And I remember seeing that and thinking, why wouldn't I just like pump a lotion bottle? with the ice cream machine like it's 50 pounds and it uses pods which you know may not be the greatest for the environment so like why wouldn't you just keep a carton of ice cream in your freezer and then scoop it out yeah and i will say in their defense i think they say that the pods are recyclable but yeah i think it's part of this but there's like a subgenre of of uh, gadget i think we reviewed a similar thing that does something like that for beer and the idea is you can get like a little your own tap of beer but you have to buy these little pot, like it's just, it's just, it, you could also just buy the beer, right? It's like, it's, it's very, uh, and like the Keurig cold is another example is Keurig tried to do a cold beverages thing that was also unwieldy and also pods. And it's like, w- just buy the soda. Like it, 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 you know, um, so yeah, I think it's, it is a very specific type of product that keeps <laughs> happening, uh, and probably will forever. It's personalized. Yes. <laughs> Um, all right, Mike, Mike, what did you see this week through your screens that you thought looked super interesting or weird or fun? Honestly, the thing that I want the most of everything that I saw at CES is one of the new LG refrigerators. Um, it has this funny feature. I think they introduced it last year, uh, where you can, it's a side by side fridge. So there's like a freezer on one side and a, um, a refrigerator on the other, and you can knock on the door and the door is actually transparent. And when you knock, it lights up a light on the inside. So you can see what's inside the fridge. So you don't like open the door and stand there and look at all the stuff and let all the cold out. So that is cool. But the truly cool thing is that LG put a ice ball maker into the freezer so you can ask the fridge to dispense cube ice or pebble ice or craft ice spheres you know which you put in a glass and then you pour your whiskey in there and then the ice doesn't melt as quickly and then you end up with a better tasting glass of iced whiskey um it doesn't actually shoot the ball out into a glass because that would be dangerous you have to open the door and reach in and grab a ball but the fact that it makes them and just like produces them in the same way that produces ice cube is just, I love it. It's so silly, but it's like something that I would actually use. And you know, it's also just an awesome refrigerator. How much would that cost? Oh, it doesn't matter. Probably (laughs) $8,000. I don't know. I have no idea. A lot of times we don't get pricing on any of this stuff until it actually comes out, but you know, it doesn't matter. Did you miss the part where I said it makes spherical craft ice for your whiskey? (laughs) Um, some of the other stuff that I saw that I really liked, uh, you know, there's a lot of headphones out there with active noise canceling in them. Uh, and there were a few that really stood out. Uh, one in particular from V-Moda. I've liked just about everything that V-Moda makes. And the company finally put active noise canceling into its headphones. Uh, they cost $500, which is still cheaper than the, uh, the Apple AirPods Max. And one thing that we wrote about, which I thought was really interesting, uh, it's a company called Biomilk. And that's milk with a Q at the end. And what they do is once you are expecting 
they extract cells from your body and they use those cells to make milk in a lab so that once you give birth you have you know a simulacrum of your actual breast milk that you can feed to your newborn uh really cool technology especially because um you know there are uh, traditionally have been so many uh, problems with lactation and babies being able to accept breast milk the fact that this company sort of helped people uh bridge that gap is really exciting. Yeah, I saw some comments online from folks describing um, basically their pumping scenarios, right? And how challenging it can be to pump while you're in an office or commuting even. Um, And it seems like this, you know, depending on, of course, like the viability of the product itself and the nutrients in the product itself, it seems like this could be a pretty interesting solution. Yeah, absolutely. Um, But I'm also curious to hear what you saw that you liked this week. All right, I'm sensing a little bit of a theme here because we've all named something that has to do with the home, whether it's the Keurig-like ice cream machine or LG's ridiculous refrigerator. So I have three things that stood out to me this week. One is the stillness tub from Kohler. Adrian wrote about this for us. This is the most ridiculous tub you could possibly imagine. Um, There's like water filling from the bottom of it and then it kind of spills onto this wooden moat there's a, a mood lighting system. There's fog generation. There are aromas and scents emitting from around it. And it just looks super cool. It looks like the kind of thing you would go to Japan for, right? To go to like a Japanese spa and sit in this like amazingly sleek and relaxing tub. Um, I love it. I want it. We have no idea what it's going to cost. Like most other ridiculous home items we saw this week at CES, it would probably be very expensive. Um, But yeah, I thought that was super cool. Um, Similarly, I thought that Toto's smart toilet, the toilet of the future, we wrote about this in our best of CES roundup. So everybody should go to wired.com and check out our best of CES. Uh, Yeah, it's a concept toilet, but you can see where this is going. It uses a variety of sensors to not only figure out who is sitting on the toilet when you sit on it, but then it analyzes your, um, going to quote the press release, your key outputs, and (laughs) it uh, makes recommendations, wellness recommendations to you based on what you have been eating. And one of the press release photos that we received showed a woman looking at an app and it was telling her she needed to eat either chicken and salmon or avocado um so it analyzes your poop you know let's not beat around the bush uh i made a terrible joke the other day about how (laughs) we don't know if it's our number one gadget or our number two gadget but uh it's up there (laughs) and uh that also we don't know how much it costs but it's probably going to be incredibly expensive whenever it ships in the next several years and then finally, um, I think Adrian wrote about this is, oh no, who wrote about the Lauren Strampy wrote about this for us. There's a, this cool bin called the Lasso Recycling Bin. Um, it's been in development for more than a decade. And the idea is that you put all of your recyclables in this and it steam cleans them. Um, it takes off the sticky labels to prevent contamination. It's supposed to intelligently sort all the different materials for you. And that it actually grinds up the recycling Um, before it puts it in an internal storage bin. And then I guess you're supposed to take that storage bin and put it out for recycling. Um, And so 
it just sounds really cool. And I know recycling is a little bit controversial, um, particularly plastic recycling in the sense that I think we've all been getting a lot of information over the past several years about how we should all be recycling plastic. And it turns out a relatively small percentage of plastic actually does end up being recycled. But I think anything that we can do to help the process along and help the environment is good. Um, and this just seems really cool. So um, it is once again expensive. It's going to be around $3,500, maybe less, uh, Lauren wrote on our blog, um, whenever it's available, but uh, it's supposed to ship sometime next year. So I thought that was pretty cool. It sounds noisy. Yeah, that's true. I guess that's a little different from just like putting it in the bin in your garage and forgetting about it until recycling day. <laughs> but Mike, when you're when you're in your stillness tub, your stillness <laughs> bath, no amount of recycling noise can bother you. You're in. Picture this, Mike. You're in your stillness tub. You've got your headband, getting your situation sorted out, vibrating gently. Uh, you reach over. <laughs> you play a couple levels of X Men. <laughs> on your arcade. I mean, come on. This is the future. And then at some point I enjoy the on-demand ice cream. Right. Yeah, right. which 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 your to- which your toilet then tells you to eat less of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. You just put those V Moda headphones on and you block out the rest of the world, all of the news of the day or the year. This is the future that I want to be a part of. Uh <laughs> Let's take a break from this unreality and then we'll come back with our recommendations. All right, Brian Baird, as our guest this week, what's your recommendation? Uh, Well, you know, a lot of people are either doing dry January right now or trying to cut back uh, on on drinking, Um, even though it's an understandable time to be drinking. Uh, But I uh, this company has been around for a while. I just discovered them this month and started uh, trying them out this month. Athletic Brewing, uh, which makes non-alcoholic beers that taste more like regular beer than any non-alcoholic beer or, or I, I've had. Um, I've, I've had two of them. I've had two of their types. Uh, there's the Run Wild IPA, which tastes, it, it's, it's not quite a full IPA feeling, but it's like sort of like, a, it almost tastes like a session IPA. So it, it gets there. And the stout, which is terrific. The stout, I, I could not have told you it was non-alcoholic beer from, from drinking it. And it's cold outside. So it's a perfect kind of vibe. Um, so my recommendation is athletic brewing if you're doing dry January, or even if you just want to cut back a little bit, but you miss that beer flavor and, and feeling, um, and the stout, especially, uh, I found to be really, really great. Oh, this sounds great. Is this widely available at grocery stores? It is available at grocery stores. I'm not sure how widely they also ship anywhere in the U S. Um, and it's, you know, the, the cost is probably a little bit more than your average six pack of Mm -hmm. actual beer. That is an excellent recommendation. I'll take that into consideration because I am doing dry January. I also like Erdinger. Have you ever tried Erdinger's non-alcoholic beers? I have not. I like the regular Erdinger. So, you might uh, you like know, it. I've, yeah. Mike, what's your recommendation this week? Uh, I want to recommend uh, an Instagram account. It's called Siblings or Dating. <laughs> Are you guys down with this? <laughs> I had not heard of it. Please tell us about this. Okay. So it's, it's, as you can imagine, they show you a photograph of two people embracing each other, and you have to guess whether they are siblings or whether they are dating. Of course, it's fun because you're almost always wrong. Like, they show you people who look exactly alike, and then it turns out they're dating. <laughs> <laughs> or people who are, like, gripping each other maybe a little bit too tightly to be siblings, and then they're siblings. 
Um, there are two ways to play. If you follow the account, you can play in real time through the stories. So like you tap into stories and then you see the photos and then there's a poll and you have to guess. And then a couple hours later, the person who runs the account shows up and tells you exactly, you know, what you got right and what you got wrong. And you can see the, 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 um, the percentage meter of like people who were correct and people who were incorrect. So you can play in the stories or you can just go to the page, the feed, and every photo in the feed is a gallery that you can swipe through and guess what you think. Are they siblings or are they dating? Um, it will make your head explode. I guarantee you that it is infuriating and hilarious. And my favorite thing about this winter. Oh, this is hilarious. It's, it's so that's good. Like, yeah. That's a perfect distraction in a time that we could all use one or several. Indeed. Right. Lauren, right. what's your, what's your recommendation? My recommendation is also an Instagram account. So just to back up the bus a little bit, uh, over the past week or so in Northern California, where Mike and I live, Mavericks has been going off. Mavericks is a famous surf break. It's um, off the coast of Half Moon Bay. And it's an incredible wave. I mean, the other day on Sunday, in some instances, it was as high as 60 feet. Um, And it's the kind of wave where surfers fly in from all over the world. I mean, these are very, very serious, legitimate surfers fly in uh, to basically experience Mavericks, take their shot at it. And um, there's been a, a movie made about it. Of course, it's an incredibly dangerous wave as well. But it's it's really just like a sight to see in person. Um, I had the chance to go out over the weekend. It was really crowded, of course, because lots of people had, had gone out to see it. And um, I sort of went up on the cliffs and, and saw it. Uh, I mean, it's still, it's still like a pretty good distance offshore. So it's even hard to get the scale when you're seeing it in person, but it's just absolutely incredible. So that's bringing me to this Instagram account that I recommend you follow. Uh, This journalist's name is Sachi Cunningham, and her Instagram handle is at C-S-E-A, Sachi. And uh, she's actually someone who I've spoken to before uh, for a story that I wrote for Wired.com a couple of years ago. And uh, she's amazing because she sometimes goes out, you know, in a boat with a group of other photographers, journalists, wave lurkers, and the boats sort of hang out on the shoulder of the wave, right? So people are at a safe distance, but they're still close enough to, to get their shot of the wave. And Sachi sometimes swims out there. Like she she goes out, but then she actually goes in the water with her, you know, pretty serious wetsuit and her underwater gear, and she swims into this monstrous wave. She gets the most incredible shots of Mavericks. Um, I really respect her work and her bravery in doing this. And I think it's really cool. So I recommend you go check out Sisachi on Instagram. That's a great one. It's uh, it's just as terrifying as siblings are dating. I can, I can attest. <laughs> All right, that's our show. Thanks again, Brian, for joining us this week. Thank you guys, always a pleasure. And thanks, as always, to Snack Fight. Holler, holler. And thanks to all of you for listening. If you have feedback, you can find all of us on Twitter. Just check the show notes for our Twitter handles. And this show is produced by the excellent Boone Ashworth. Goodbye for now, and we'll be back next week. Mike. Lauren. Mike, did you find it a challenge at all to pay attention to CES this week with... Sorry, my cat is now eating the batteries that I just took out. Hold, please. (laughs) Stupid babies need the most attention. Not good for you. Not good.
Ethos. Hi everyone, Michael from Gadget Lab here. I want to tell you about our friends over at The Big Take Podcast from Bloomberg News. Each weekday, they bring you one important story from their global newsroom, like how AI will upend your life, or why China's targeting the US dollar, and maybe how Joe Biden plans to take on Donald Trump. Oh boy. Check out The Big Take, a daily podcast from Bloomberg, wherever you listen.